Welcome to another episode of the Here and There podcast. It's lovely to be back. Hi, Agnieszka, how are you doing? Hi, Karolina, I'm doing quite well. I'm in Sardinia right now. Oh my goodness, in Sardinia, where is that? That's a great question. It may be tricky. Uh, it's somewhere near Italy. <laughs> it's, it's an Italian <laughs> island. <laughs> I can't quite tell you exactly. <laughs> if it's an Italian island, it's... In Italy, though, <laughs> it's it's by Italy. But the funny thing about it is that it's very close to another island, which is French. So once oh, wow. you get yeah, so once once I get back to Europe, it's, I do get a little bit of that American perspective, which I'm quite amazed that you can actually have two islands very close together. One of them is French, and one of them is Italian, similar to. Our conversation with Safir when you have Cyprus and and some of it is Turkish and and some of it is Greek. So yeah, what a combo! But do you mean the island is divided into two, or there are actually two separate islands? One a French, one Italian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Corsica, Corsica. Oh, I don't know how to say it in oh, English. Yeah. That's very close. Corsica is that French? Mm-hmm. That's what they tell me. Oh wow! I didn't know that. I have not verified oh. that information, but some smarter people told me that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're very close together. That sounds like the best combo, Italian island with a French island. I guess, but I don't see any French influence here. It's 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 very much an Italian type of island, quite chaotic, quite, uh, but also nothing is open to eat before 8 p.m. We're always there when the restaurant just opens. Uh, because we're hungry <laughs> and nobody's there just <laughs> us and it's 8 p.m and it's like <laughs> and they're just starting so that that's a classic in italy i remember doing the mm-hmm. same thing always sort of around 2 2, 2 p.m getting hungry but boom there's, there's nothing. nothing it's there's as no- if their stomachs are working differently italian stomachs just they don't work really yeah i don't know how that works here and so i don't have enough time to get used to it so we're just kind of played by ear but i got invited by my to see my one of my friends here and i flew from bratislava because we're now visiting our family and friends for the first time in three years since the pandemic so we're kind of doing a little bit of a trip between poland and slovakia and i'm in sardinia now for the last night so oh wow oh wow what a trip. Yes, it's very intense. But also, I feel like in a way less intense than the other trips or less tiring. I guess maybe because um, it's been such a long time. Everything is feels like such a gift. Seeing everybody and just being able to talk to somebody, it just feels like kind of unreal. Then, oh, I'm able to sit with my grandmother and talk to her like face to face. and And I'm able to like have wine with my friend face to face so it's um yeah things we used to take for granted exactly even with our annual trips before it was kind of for granted because we knew that we could we're going to do the same thing next year it was more of a chore in a way yeah and this one was not a chore at all this one is just a gift uh, for us so yeah a lot of excitement yeah and I guess your your kids are older as well, aren't they? Yes. So it's the first trip that they're able to appreciate. And, you know, Ellie is only, she's not even five. So she doesn't have a full grasp of, of you know, different countries and stuff. Uh, but they obviously are exposed to the different languages. So I'm very curious on how that's going to change her take on 
speaking different languages. She's been not very open to speaking anything other than English, even though she understands the other languages. So, uh, but they're very excited about just hanging out with everybody and being with their cousins and, you know, meeting the grandmas and accepting all the gifts they're getting. So um, it's been really interesting. So it sounds like you're visiting a, a few dares of your sort of from, from your world. Yes, absolutely. And it's um, it's an inspiration on one hand and just like the sense of comfort of something that's very familiar and a lot of new things as well. It's the first time that uh, we actually went to see a new place in Slovakia. So all the family came and we rented out a little cabin and we went to the mountains. So it was a little bit different. We also mixed it up. Usually we would just go and see everybody at their homes. So I, I feel like that was mm-hmm. also, um, yes, yeah, so just like a new perspective of Slovakia, for example, for me. Um, in Poland, we're just going to do a usual, you know, visiting relatives um, and seeing friends. Mm-hmm. But still, it's it's different. My grandmother and my grandfather moved in the meantime, so they have a new apartment, and I got to see them in that new environment and got to see how well they took the change. Well done, grandparents. Yes. And it sounds like you're witnessing a lot of change with the people you're visiting or in the countries you're visiting. Does it feel that so much changed for you as well, or does it feel more static for you and more moving or kind of fluid for 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 there or for people from there no um it's funny but it actually a lot of things have changed for me (laughs) not only the kids but I just uh yeah I have a lot of different projects and things I'm doing this podcast included uh compared to my previous trips for example so there's definitely a lot of updates on my side to give to everybody and and what is common is that everybody is processing the last few years in their own way. And a lot of them are approaching it with some sort of change or some sort of big decision. It's kind of funny that, you know, that change is kind of this thing that is almost a given these days. That people are making, I feel, almost braver decisions or they're just taking more time to kind of put their life in order maybe that's a response to this you know chaos of the pandemic it's just like okay let me let me think about my life and try to gain control and you know do something else about a different project but i know then um you visited poland twice already right in the last few months and that was your first trip in a while right how long had it been for you it has yeah um it's been two years at least i i usually count it (laughs) with christmases so i think it's been two or three christmases yeah i can't really remember things blend into one perhaps two christmases yeah i wonder if i feel that a lot of things have changed i'm not sure do you mean for your family yeah or generally I feel that our city has changed. That is a big change in my eyes. It's it's always changing. It's such a fast and rapidly evolving city. And I hear a lot of people, you know how we are not from the capital, but we are from a big city, right? A quite a vibrant city as well. And a lot of people tell me how the capital is so much better. And yet I'm kind of seeing all this, all these wonderful changes within our city. And I'm struggling to, to grasp that. Who would tell you that? Young people yeah. that live in Warsaw would tell you that it's better? Yeah, young people who have a dream of living in the capital and working in the capital uh, or the parents or parents of young people who have a kind of a dream for their kids to achieve a lot or to, to be successful 
and you know it's a little bit like with London if you are in mm-hmm. London then you made it right yeah and yet people in London want to go to America and people in America want to go to Mars I don't know people in London want to go to Edinburgh or to Edinburgh <laughs> I don't know yeah. something More often these days <laughs> yeah but it was also your first trip with Jonah it was two trips with Jonah actually mm-hmm. it was that was must have been different for you um yeah, well, yeah, that was different. The focus was different. It was different again. With, with I think the city aspect was was the clearest for me that it was different. Maybe to walk my own city, but with a buggy from a different perspective, uh, you know, to walk your wo- local park or so- somewhere very close and kind of treat it as a very special place because it was it was good for the nap or good for the walk and just see things from a different perspective like see the aqua park from a different perspective or even your you know our friend's place from a perspective of a child so that was cool and at the same time it it felt that the rest the rest was quite static maybe because i'm a kind of in a fairly frequent communication with my family so i don't i don't feel like that that a lot has changed because i'm fairly up to date it feels like a, a static part of my environment in a way, in a funny way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you don't have to catch up really. But I guess with kids, it's a little bit different. Well, your parents have visited and some of your siblings have visited. So they have kind of met Jonah. But I feel like it's always, you know, it's always you can't really compare just, you know, um, video calls to actual physical closeness with somebody and I know that you're planning to go to Poland again, actually, this summer. And I was, yeah, I was wondering if you have, like, how does it feel to go quite often? I don't think that you've ever visited Poland in such short intervals. And does it, like, does it make you want to, like, do something else during this trip? Or, you know, are you, like, noticing anything um, around that frequency? No, not at all. I feel like I was sort of, I, I don't have much desire for novelty these days. Um, I, I'm kind of finding so much within my very immediate environment that I, I feel quite content with it. And there is kind of so much to explore within my very much boundaries or um, with, with people kind of quite close to me. Um, that I feel like I'm going third time to do the same thing, except my partner is coming with me this time, so it's slightly different. But yeah, that, that's what that's what I want to do. The same, more of the same. Mm-hmm. And speaking of novelty in new places versus visiting old places all the time, or going back to the places that we know well and want to know even better. Our guest this episode is Nena, who has lived in many different places. Some of them really far from one another, like Alaska, California. She now lives in upstate New York, where I live. She's my friend. And we ask her about approach to novelty and why she visits so many places. And she tells us really interesting things about how novelty or new places and and space in particular affects her creative process. What was your main takeaway from the conversation, Carolina? Yeah, I, I thought it was one of our, um, you know, most exciting conversations as we tapped into um, the topic that we haven't explored before, uh, which is the creativity and the creative process. So that was really cool. And for anyone who has interest in that and maybe reflected before or wants to reflect with us um, on how different places I- influence that process, it's really worth listening to that episode. I'm quite excited about this one. 
definitely take a listen to our conversation with Nana, a very interesting one on creativity and how places influence creative process and how you can learn how to do that. So enjoy the episode. Yeah, it's a colorful one. Tune in. everyone we're here with my friend Nana today welcome Nana thank you guys so happy to be invited to your podcast we've been looking forward to this day for a while and uh, I'm happy to be here thank you hi Nana it's lovely to see you again I've known Nana for a while and uh, we never got a chance to talk about uh, being a foreigner in the US although we both share some of those experiences I'm really looking forward to to diving a little deeper here. Nina, we usually start by asking our guests about the story of their name. Can you share where your name comes from and what's the backstory of Nina? Um, yes, so I, I am an immigrant, a first generation immigrant that came to India and my name is Nina Maloney. And uh, my name comes, it means eyes in Hindi, um, which is the Indian language, the national language. Um, and it was really interesting because I always wondered, I was the only one with my name uh, growing up. I didn't really know anybody else with my name. So I always asked my, um, my parents, hey, you know, like, why, where did you come up with the name? And so the story is that my mom had a student that was a very smart and intelligent student. And so she always liked her name. So when she had a baby, she decided to name you know, baby, a.k.a. me, Nena. So that's how the name comes in. And I, I don't think it had anything to do with like, oh, beautiful eyes or anything. It was just, hey, here's a student that I love and she's great. And, you know, so that's that was the history of my name there. It's always been connected to me in a way because a, I have like really weak eyes. So I'm kind of like, oh, that's interesting. And also like the way I lead my life, is through my eyes. I, I think that's probably my strongest because I'm like a visual thinker. Everything I do is creative and, you know, so I connect a lot with my name in that way. Thank you for asking that question. Did you get different reactions for your name back in India and then now here in the US or anywhere that you traveled? I think a lot of people ask me what it means, you know, like what does the word mean and stuff like that. Because in the US, a lot of people, they kind of, know how to pronounce my name but they pronounce it like n-e-n-a but it's spelled n-a-i-n-a which i think nina is like a spanish word for like a little child or something like that and that's why people are familiar with that sound how do you could you tell us how you look because we can see you obviously on the on the screen but um how do you think people see you and how do you see yourself in terms of your looks Huh, that's that's an interesting question. Um I so it's 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 
I guess it's interesting. Like I, when I was growing up, I saw, you know, like all of us, we saw a lot of like Hollywood movies and, um, and things like that. Right. So like for me, that was, there were Bollywood movies too. And obviously I, I had identified with those actresses and stuff like that, but like, I wanted to be more westernized. So I would be like, okay, how do I fit into this like Hollywood movie, you know? And of course they were like the I I didn't quite fit into the native to the Hispanic culture as much, but for some reason I was always like, oh, there's like a Native American person in this movie. And I always felt like I looked like a Pocahontas or that type of character. In terms of like do you mean in terms of like my my skin color maybe or just in general is that what you think people pick up on well over here i don't i think i'm more conscious about my accent than than i am about the way i look you know because mm-hmm. somehow i haven't been able to like talk exact like pick up those accents from like those areas that i've lived in across this country or across even england i i, I lived in london for three or four years went to school there and I'm still very I still you know haven't so I think I'm more sort of aware of that than my name or the way I look or you know mm-hmm. that stands mm-hmm. out a lot um yeah that's interesting there's something about the accent that seems to define us and um Yet I feel like in the UK, people will mention your accent because that's a kind of like a good opener for a conversation, good opener for uh, for asking that question where you're from. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like they, they see past it. Like it doesn't matter in the way it matters maybe to us as foreign people. Yeah, I think I feel often foreign people are aware of their accent as if they didn't want it. I, if they could, they would they would try to be more British or more American or more whatever. Um, But uh, yeah, but I have a feeling that to people who are native, it doesn't matter that much. You know, they kind of get used to, they hear you, then they get used to it and then they forget about it. It's just who you are to them, part of the... I guess I'm quite, I think I'm talking more about like, there, how did I perceive myself? And maybe the first few, (laughs) first few years of me being in a different country was, you know, movies, cartoons, um, figures that were like brown-skinned uh, characters, you know, stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, definitely like Pocahontas, um, Mowgli from the Jungle Book. That was quite a quite a thing when I was even, you know, a young, like a teenager. Um, and I was always kind of offbeat. Like, I don't think I wanted to be like, the main you know beautiful actress i was always like a wallflower the under looking for the underdog brown character in like every you know every situation and every movie or or whatever so um yeah so i think the start of like realizing that you know those were the differences was a lot to do with like how i perceived america through movies and then where i fitted in into them you know um and then that like bloomed into for movies and went into like art, music, um, you know, and then later on in life, authors. And now, of course, things have changed so much. And you see people from different races, different countries and ethnicities everywhere in every field of, you know, 
creativeness, which is basically the world I live in. So, you know, so it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, and I, I definitely feel like because times have changed and uh, I, I don't even... I don't really see color in the same way, you know, I just sort of like, I feel like I'm just um, myself now, like it's all changed into instead of defining things, it's just like, this is me. And I feel quite American, actually, or quite westernized now. So it's a progression of, you know, everything that I've been through and yeah, I see when you mentioned the times change, and I also see that, you know, obviously the narrative changes as well. And there is a lot of narrative about identity. You know, there is a lot of women that identify as feminists. There is a lot of women that identify as women of color. Do you think of yourself in any of those? Some, some people would call them like political labels. No, I feel like um, I'm definitely inspired by women like that and icons. Um, but I've, I, I think I've never felt the, I've never felt like that myself, you know, and I've, I've never really identified with, I guess I'm just not a very like political person in general, you know, so um, it's kind of like, but I appreciate that now I see so much more of it, you know, and I, and I think it's important for like, young girls to have those uh, inspirations and icons and stuff like that but um I don't know if I yeah I I don't know maybe it's the way it's maybe it's my background and how I was brought up and stuff like that I was never um I, I don't think I had a very strong identity as like um you know like representing my country or my race or anything like that so and I, that's, I believe that's why I don't quite identify with that. And you mentioned your upbringing. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Was it like a typical Indian household, whatever that even means? Or how do you, how, how do you think that your childhood influenced and maybe where you are today or how you feel and, you know, all of your travels? <laughs> um, I, I think, I, so I was brought up in a pretty Western household. We didn't speak Hindi at home. We spoke English. Um, I come from a family, a military family, so my grandparents were basically, one side was from the military, one side were diplomats, so they traveled all over the world, um, my granddad fought in World War II and was in the British Army, essentially, um, so... And then my parents were super, super westernized at that point. I think they kind of wanted to be more American, you know. I don't think they were sitting and identifying with being Indian or, you know, stuff like that. I mean, of course, we, we grew up Indian. We had Indian food, but then we also had a lot of Western food and Chinese, Burmese. So we were exposed to many different cultures many different religions as well in the school that I went to. I went to Catholic school, but we had all sorts of different, we even had Jewish kids in my school, you know, so we were exposed to a lot of things. And I think that really, maybe that just, it, it was, it seemed like a lot of gray area, but like, I think that really defined me as a person because 
there's not like one thing that I identified with in that sense, you know? So, um, and then traveling, I think I've lived in England, Alaska, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, and New York now, currently in New York. So, um, I've definitely not, you know, it's just, and then India is a very, very diverse country. So there's like food, language, everything like affects you in a way where it's like intrinsically you're Indian. But then if you've been brought up the way I've been brought up with all these different influences, it all becomes like a mishmash of something, you know. So that's kind of how I've always felt. Like I've never felt like... uh, And I've never been super patriotic where it's like, oh, I'm Indian and I'm never going to leave this country. It was always my goal to like go somewhere else. Mm. So you felt quite cosmopolitan. Yeah. You wanted to explore further. Yes, yes. Even as a child, I felt cosmopolitan because I I heard everything about the world and met people from all over the world, you know. So I was always exposed to that. And so I was never afraid of, anything that was foreign or you know so yeah it was definitely a little little strange of an upbringing but I think it was very enjoyable to like be exposed to all those things you know and could you tell me a little bit more about you mentioned that you went to the catholic school is that a popular choice for Indian families um yeah so a lot of like kids that want to be in like an English speaking school and in those days it was there were a lot of like Catholic schools or Christian schools like there were Christian brothers monks you know and it was mostly always sort of a girls school and a boys school so it wasn't co-ed schools and uh, that's how you got like a good education you were exposed to a lot more things Um, and you know it was a good way to get like a well-rounded education. It's interesting. I'm just interested in that kind of idea. In terms of the the major religion in India, is that Hindu? Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. Hinduism. That's the largest. So I'm just thinking about how interesting it is that depending what family you're coming from, but also what path you're going to take in life and where your parents want you to be in terms of your education, that the kind of the religion is tied very much to it. Um, that there is no not much maybe it's it's not as a, a choice but it's more of a just just one thing is associated with with the other. Yes, yeah, and also like, yeah, like religion is one thing, but then there's also class. You know, India has got so many different layers of things. So there's like caste, religion, caste, um, sorry, class, and also regions you know like different regions that you're in um affect every state is like a little country of its own so all that does really affect the the all-roundedness of anyone from india you know so my story would be probably like very very different from someone else like me um unless they were in that same category you know as me so But then again, it's like there weren't, you know, there's not a lot of people that um, come from like just a military background or just, a, you know, so there's I feel like there's uniqueness like everywhere in a way, you know. 
But when you meet people from India here in the U.S., there's quite a number of Indian people. Um, do you feel uh, like do you feel like you have a lot of shared experience with them, or do you can you tell that you know they have a similar upbringing or a similar background, or uh, do you feel kind of a little bit of an outsider within the community that's supposed to be yours, you know, nationally speaking? Um, I think there is, there is like you could, um, I meet people all the time from, you know, from India or with an Indian background and, and I can immediately t relate to certain people that have, you know, been in a certain, in the same sort of upbringing or, you know, similar schools or similar region even. Things are also very regional over there. You know, um, there are like, I'm from Bombay, which is now called Mumbai. And um, there's even accents, like certain areas in Bombay will have a different accent. So I can even tell, oh, hey, this person is from Bombay and not from like New Delhi or another city or town in India. So it is very specific. And, and growing up with these types of backgrounds, like you just learn how to like recognize these nuances like right away. Like your, your senses get very sharpened, you know, even living there and growing up there. Um, so it's interesting because I, I always talk to um, non-Indians that go, I'm always curious to find out how did you feel when you went to India, you know, and they were like, all my senses were sharpened all at one time. And like, there's just no other way to explain India, you know. It sounds like it's too long. <laughs> it could be a good or very scary thing. <laughs> I would love to go. I've never been. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, class or castes. Um, I was wondering, you know, in, in the UK, it's a big class is a big thing. We have, I guess, middle classes, higher classes, higher middle classes, working classes, whatnot. And I'm wondering whether uh, whether it's can we relate that at all to how class is seen in India? And how did your kind of um, military background in your family, how did that relate to the class you belong to? And what did that mean for you? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Like, um, so I think being, I, I, I think I was never really part of the class thing. Like, I don't think that I like identified with it or was part of that. Like I wasn't in that realm, so to speak, um, caste, class, I feel like was not in my world, you know, um, and being in a, I think we were we always identified as middle class in india you know that was what we had uh, working class middle class similar kind of thing like on the cusp of it so yes we were kind of like identifying ourselves as a family but it was never sort of we were just outsiders so like if you're working for the government or if you've got some kind of like an offbeat kind of a background in life then you, it's really, it is harder to put yourself in these classes or these castes, you know, because a lot of those ideas are, are pretty old and sort of medieval. They're like, like class is connected to caste, uh, religion is connected to caste. So it's kind of like, since my family didn't relate to any of this stuff, it didn't pertain to us. We were maybe just like a class of our own where we were just like, oh, we're, you know, we're just going to be, try and be upwardly mobile, try to get out of the middle class and, you know, and sort of make our own niche. And I think there's a lot of families like that in 
in these, you know, in these set systems that are sort of making their own sort of definition in a way, which is really like, I don't, I can't really define it. And could you tell me, I think I'm quite ignorant in that way. Could you tell me what's the difference between class and caste? So, yeah, so caste is kind of something that you're born into. There's four or five different ones. And they're actually divided according to, like, your vocation, you know. So the cleaners and the, um, the cleaners are the lowest class. Then there's the fighters that are, like, they're called kshatriyas. They're, like, the fighting uh, caste, you know. So caste and religion is related that way. You're born into it. That's what your parents, your ancestors were. And then class is, like, your economic status in in life you know and um that's not that related to caste it's more related to just like any other country there's like a lower class a middle class and a higher class so it's like you know there's three or four classes and now it's and now it's the same any economic structure that you know the middle class is growing in india for example you know the higher class is also growing um, so things like that. So people, it's you can be upwardly mobile in a class system, but in a caste system, you can't. But by the sounds of it, you don't really identify with, with either one too too much. It was something that you felt quite mob the world that you felt a quite mobile within. Yes, yes, quite mobile within our own little, you know. And in the questionnaire that you've completed for us, you told us about quite a few places you lived in. You mentioned the UK. You mentioned London. You mentioned different uh, states in, in, in America. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? What's the story? What made you move so um, so much? Yeah, Alaska and California. So let's just put in uh, on the map for people in the UK and other places. <coughs> Alaska, California, and New York. This is like the, the farthest you can go. You're just missing maybe South Texas here. But that's like literally, it's huge, huge differences, right? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think it's like, I think I do have like that wandering spirit in me where it's like, I kind of want to like live everywhere, you know, uh, at least once in my life kind of a thing. And um, it all, first of all, it all came from me wanting to be, I wanted to be, always be more creative. And um, one way in my head to do that was like, oh, I should go to art school, you know, and um and so the time I was growing up, art schools were not really big in India. There were a few and um, I just wanted more choice. I wanted, you know, so I did my research and I'm like, oh, you know, I, there's some great art schools in New York City. Like, I would love to go there, you know. I think I was only 16 or something or 15. And I think my parents were like, no, you're not going to New York City. You're going to get mugged in New York City, you know. And I was just like... <laughs> I didn't think it was like... Were they right? Were you ever mugged? In New York City? No, no. Thank God. Not yet. But uh, I have been mugged before. But that's a different story. But um, <laughs> so so that's, that's what made me apply to schools. And so it was like my creative process that made me kind of like get out, like leave India. So... Um, I went to Los Angeles because that's where, you know, school, I found a school, I got in there, went to art school there for a while, um, which was a great experience. And then um, I got married 
and uh, had the opportunity to, to move to Alaska, which was amazing as well. Um, lived there for a few years. And then, uh, then I always wanted to live in Seattle, but that didn't happen. So, um, decided, <laughs> and then decided to move to Portland. I mean, decided to, yeah, decided to move to Portland, but that also didn't work out. So I was like, hmm, all right, maybe now is the chance to like fulfill my old dream of when I was 16 to move to New York City and hopefully not get mugged. But, um, you know. <laughs> So it worked out that way, and um, I moved to New York, and yeah, that was, you know, that was it. And then from New York City, after living in Brooklyn for a lot of many, many, many years, we moved up to, um, you know, the Hudson Valley. So my husband and me live in the Hudson Valley right now. Um, I lived in, I went to school um, in, in London before you know, before going to art school, college. So, so when I was a teenager, I lived in London for a while, for two or three years as well. And so that was like a, a whole different experience as well, you know, that shaped me. Um, and, you know, London back then was very different. England back then was different than it is right now as well. So that, so that was interesting. Yeah, it was less violent than New York. <laughs> now it's more violent than New York. Oh, that's that's what I hear. That's what I hear. So you were in high school in London? Yeah, yeah. I did my, uh, what is it, my A le O levels? Yeah. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit more about then um, that's uh, the p different places being a source of creativity for you? That's what I gather that that's how you primarily use those you know you change it's a physical change of place and um how does that work for you creatively and can you a little bit tell us a little bit more about your you know what you actually do with your creative energy well i think when when i was when i was younger and i thought about creativity i always thought that i have to learn it from some from somewhere else um like from a school an institution art galleries you know other other people but then when I started moving around and traveling I realized that it's something that I think comes from just exposure from different things for me and um, the more the more new things I'm exposed to the more creative I feel so I think it's 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 very once you figure that out about yourself then you kind of know that this is what makes you creative. So for me, that's sort of the process, you know. And of course, every place I went to was inspirational and, you know, it always gives me new ideas. And um, even now, you know, this I feel like there's so much to explore even in the Hudson Valley. Like, I haven't even explored all of it yet, you know. And then, um, so so I feel places are the whole concept of like places and being you know exposed to these things intrinsically makes you so it doesn't have to be like a gallery and or an art school or you don't have to hang out with other artists to feel creative um, and I'm, I'm mostly talking about being like a visual artist a painter a drum not you know that sort of creativity do you have any paintings that you've done around you just in the room you're sitting in um, no, I don't have anything up right now. Still have to put some work up. 
But I like the painting behind you. It looks beautiful. <laughs> I don't know if that's you. That's a whole nother podcast. It's interesting when you talk about creativity, you know, how the exposure to places and, and different things makes you more creative or gives you that, that energy. And yet you described yourself as an introvert in the questioner. Um, so there's something about, you know, going, going towards the world for, for the energy juice, for the creativity juices, but at the same time feeling like you're um, also directing yourself towards yourself. Mm -hmm. yes yeah yeah I think that and it and and I I think I've just realized that in the last six seven years is that uh all the last 10 years is that um you you can like absorb the the energy and the inspiration and the creativity from outside but then you kind of have to like make it your own and spit out like a unique version of it you know And it's definitely not coming from people. My energy is coming from places and things that I see. So in that sense, it's not like, you know, the extrovertedness. So I still think I'm pretty, you know, introspective or introverted. I'm curious if you can describe to us, do you remember any particular situations or places that gave you that energy? Are you able to feel it when you're in the place? Or does it actually, you know, you're just hanging out, visiting a place, walking the streets, and then it comes a little bit of a as a delayed experience when you're processing it or do you feel it in the moment that kind of like oh my god this is so inspiring how does that happen for you yeah i think it's that's a good question i think it comes from um now it just comes from like i've learned how to get inspired by a place because i've done so much of that right because then you train yourself to do it but initially when i first found out that this is a thing for me i would just kind of like It would just, I would just kind of go somewhere and it would suddenly, it would hit me suddenly. And that's when I realized that's when the learning process began. And, and I think ever since I was a teenager, it's always been like that, you know. And so it makes me want to then be like, oh, it's like, oh, let me go to this new place. Let's see, see this new ca castle in this area, because then I know that it's going to suddenly hit me because like now I've trained myself that way. So it's a little bit of both, but initially it was definitely like you go somewhere and it's, you know, but that's like, I can go to like an alley and feel that now that alley doesn't have to be in like a beautiful place. It could be anywhere, you know, like on the streets of New York, but it has to be something that I've never seen before. You know, I, th I think that's, that's the difference. Is that I relate to that, and I that's I was telling Karina, you and me are probably the two people in our group that always initiate some sort of outings. I have the exact same experience, and I and I never put my finger on it. So thanks for explaining it to me, because to me, I always think it's more about the people, and maybe I thought you just like hanging out with people, and so I guess I do like hanging. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like a super interesting um, perspective to, to, to see how that happens for you. Do you remember any particular places that you kind of still go back to? Some places that you saw, you know, when you were much younger, but you can still take some creative energy out of? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I think that there is a lot of places in my mind that I would like to, to go back to. But also, I think because I'm such a visual uh, person, I, I can remember, I have a photographic memory, so I can remember them in my mind. You know, like I can, 
So I'd close my eyes and be like, okay, this is how the town I grew up in looked like. This is how the ice cream shop in Alaska that I worked at looked like. You know, stuff like that. So in a way, you know, I don't even know if I ever want to go back to those places, to tell you the truth, because... You don't have to. Exactly. I don't have to go back and re... In fact, uh, we've I've become more like it, more like that now, you know, like I... I used to be like, oh, let me recreate that beautiful night that we had or, you know, that beautiful place that we had. Um, and, you know, recreating a setting is a lot like being in a new place or in a new country or in a new town. And so it's kind of like, I think it, maybe it's part of getting older is that, yeah, you don't really need to recreate that feeling through that setting you could just maybe think about it and do like a different version of it or go somewhere else, you know? Sounds to me like you're more brave and more empowered in that creative process that maybe you used to be or... Um, yeah. Yeah, because often, you know, creativity, I guess it often brings to mind kind of romantic ideas about spontaneity and things just happening and inspiration just striking you. And you're talking about something very different. You're talking about having way more control over it and paying attention to certain things and training yourself to, to, to see things or to get inspired, as you said, that it was a process of learning, which is super interesting when it comes to creativity, that, that, that the learning is part, a big part of it for you. Yeah, definitely learning. And also, I think I'm also very like... Um, um nostalgic type of person so you know after a while you recognize that you can't really capture it's very hard to capture nostalgia it's it's more of a feeling right it's like a so like every piece of art i've done everything is always connected to the wow you guys are really helping me figure this out it's like is connected to a memory or nostalgia, you know? So every part of my creative process is connected to like an old memory or a feeling that I got in a place or a thing, you know, a thing gives you a sense of nostalgia. It comes from a place that you maybe collected it from or, you know, something like that. So yeah, memory and places are, are, are very important. And, and, you know, you could say like, it's another version of being here and there at the same time right like so it's uh yeah i mean that's what that's what makes so yeah places are very related to to creativity for some yeah it sounds maybe even that nostalgia is a feeling that's a one thing but it sounds like maybe it's also a way of coping of coping with moving so much and coping with having so many there's and here's and being able to navigate that and process that um, yes. it's a huge thing it kind of even beyond I guess words or beyond you know our intellectual mind so nostalgia may come into it to help with that and creativity as well or the kind of yeah drive that creativity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and also you're grasping for some yeah when you moved around so much and stuff it it is a form of stability in a way because you're trying to find something that's like just here not just here and there here and there here and there it's it's here you know so it's kind of like um and for me obviously it, it's related to the creative world but um it is it's a place it's kind 
a memory or a nostalgia or a feeling is like you're in a place uh, and you can choose to be in that place to feel better or feel happier or, you know, um, and you can move out of bad spaces just by, you know, creating something or thinking about something or um, stuff like that. So, yeah, I've never really, in terms of like being there or something like that, like I've never felt that I need to be there because like that there is with me here you know and obviously it's taken years to get to that that stage do you think then being exposed essentially you mentioned that India is as how people describe it usually it's just a you gain getting bombarded with sensual experiences colors you know sounds um, all kinds of visual experiences do you think that you kind of it's like you get a such an intense taste of that in an early childhood and then it's you're kind of like that's how you expect you know it's your you need that fix so that's why you need to keep moving around you're totally right yeah you I think you hit the nail on the head at least from what my experiences were like it's like it's almost like I see some people around me you know like close ones and people that have um from India that are always yeah, you're so used to those senses, you know, there's always people around, there's always friends and family and food and always an event or a party or something like that. So it's, it just becomes part of you if you've grown up that way. And, um, and basically, and then it's just, uh, and I, even as a kid, I didn't quite feel like I fitted into that, that thing, you know, because I felt like all these people, things and people were just always sucking my energy out, you know, because I think it's just because of my nature, my creative, like I wanted to be alone and like just paint and draw and read. And that's all I wanted to do growing up. I think from the time I was six to the time I was 16, you know, and um, because I think I also took it for granted. Like I always had friends. I always had roots and, uh, and people. So it was easy for me to be like, oh, just, you know, get away from me, leave me alone or whatever. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I wonder how it's different for you now. Um, you don't have those roots, but then on the other hand, you have Pat, your husband, who, as far as I know, didn't really travel even half the thing, you know, half the places you traveled. He's pretty much still close to his home. He's very much rooted American, as American as they get, I would say. And and how does yeah how does it work for you to have to be you know in, in such a close relationship with somebody that probably doesn't share a lot of those experiences and and may and again offers you know that very rooted um, kind of existence right yeah yeah I think it's that yin and yang thing you know it's like I think he is he is kind of like my roots in a way now you know because he is that sort of that stable kind of that tree sort of character in my life and um it is weird like even though he is like that he's like very adventurous and like at a drop of a hat can will do just about anything and go anywhere which I didn't even meet people like that in India you know so it's kind of interesting um you know the irony of it is interesting that there's someone that's so rooted and stable uh, and you know all those things but at the same time is almost fluid like water, you know? So maybe in a way it's like, he really does compliment me because like, because of like my Indian upbringing and me being all over the place, like 
he feeds into that part of me, but then also gives me that stability that I need in, you know, in a different environment and, and things like that. So. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever miss having roots or like, um, is there anything uh, missing in that? Or do you ever wish that you could just stop and just be still and not go anywhere? Um, yeah, I think, um, I, don't, I think I don't because I feel like my nature is very much to be still kind of a thing. I, I do have the, have a very peaceful kind of, kind of nature. Like I don't, I never feel distracted. I never feel like all over the place, you know, even though around me, everything is always sort of swirling around. Um, and so I don't think I miss that, those types of roots that'll keep me grounded, you know, because I don't really know if that's very important for me. It might sound kind of controversial, but, you know, um, I don't know if like, having stability and roots i mean sure maybe when you're a kid or something but now when you're older I, i feel like that's something that um it's not good i'm not gonna get anything out of it in life so that's why i'm like okay that's you know um but yeah no i agree roots are definitely important i mean i think identity i do identify with being an indian and you know things like that so so And that's the thing, maybe because the culture that I grew up in was so strong, I just, I can't get away from it. Like, it's in me, you know? Like, whether I want roots or no, it's there. And there's nothing I can do about it, you know? Again, maybe it is so strong that you had to literally get away from it. Run away from that. And it was the same with creativity. Like, I didn't want everything I do to be like influenced by India I wanted to be exposed to like other cultures other art styles you know um oil like all sorts of things like I wanted to be exposed to that so that I could just like sort of maybe even fight the fight the Indian roots and things like that you know because I'm like I want to um, explore all that stuff and then I wanted to influence my artwork and, um, you know, my life. So, so and maybe that's why I went out and seeked it out. I, I was seeking for that, you know, the non-rootedness or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. And I'm, and I think it's, it's, it's every, that type of stuff is everywhere, you know, like, um, I guess the non the non rootness stuff or like the the inspiration that you're looking for is everywhere kind of a thing like or it's anywhere that's it's everywhere out there that's what I feel like you know like whatever you don't have in like where you are in your home or you know in your stable tree trunk is like is out there so it's just a matter of going out and like finding it and being inspired by it so I don't, I've always been like that. It's it's strange. I'm quite curious because you described your husband as water, that he's fluid as water. And when you talk about yourself, it feels to me that maybe you're fairly similar, that, um, you know, water does have source somewhere there. 
but other than that it's a fairly fluid concept and kind of it's not as rooted as a tree is um yeah there's something very peaceful about it as well uh but also kind of omnipotent it it can go any direction and it can it can spread it can spill it can cover a lot of area yes yes that's well described and i i do think a lot of uh patrick and me um life experiences are a little similar you know in that sense and that's i think that's what gives people like that sort of like that flexibility of like thinking out of the box and not like for example we both come from divorced families to give you an example you know and we and we both went through similar things and so it's like uh, yes we're trying we people from divorced families are trying to find stability and roots but they're also very flexible and they don't put all their importance in just you know stability because it doesn't mean anything to them really you know when you think about it so so i think in that sense we sort of contradict each other but we're also very similar we're very like okay let's just do this so you know let's let's change it up let's things like that so yeah that's it's like that saying that the only constant thing in life is change you know that the the stability is not that reliable after all we believe it is and we want to hang on to it as much as we can often for many different reasons and 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 that's the that's the thing in indian culture and i guess i'm relating it now to the place i grew up in is that oh when you live there you see things change all the time you know first of all it's very warm it's a warm climate you're seeing things decaying like all the time I don't think we had the same possessions for more than a more than 2 or 3 years even as children because those things would get rust or mold or the monsoons would eat it away you know and so there was no sense of like you know maybe your house was permanent you know but there was no sense of like and maybe that's why I'm so attached to things now where it's like I'm nostalgic about something that I collected somewhere, you know, because uh, everything was very fluid growing up. Everything was gone, like, and we were never taught to be attached to anything growing up, you know. So it was an interesting concept, kind of a thing to live with. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I I came across this uh, when traveling to Hawaii, where they had a similar kind of because of the climate you can't really everything will get destroyed by nature right so you live in a a sense where you do have develop a sense of humility against culture uh, not culture but nature um and that everything does change and every there's this, like a life cycle that you have to respect and there's really nothing you can do about it versus i feel like in europe we developed something quite opposite because you know we have a lot of history and there's a lot of old churches that have survived centuries and centuries and they're all we learn about how they are man-made and it's a wonderful thing and we are so in control of everything right and that's so fascinating to me like i love that but i totally understand <laughs> but it's a completely different concept and so we don't realize that yeah you know we have some nature but it's not the core of our culture is the man-made history you know 
it, that's that's what how we I feel grew up. I don't know if Carolina, if that's your the same sense how how we how you were brought up, but I feel like for me that's that was definitely it more than, you know, you get like old things. Uh, there is a lot of family history, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of. And and I know when I moved to the West, I was just fascinated by old buildings and. And I was like, this is what history is. History is not something that fast. It's it it exists in things, you know. It exists. Although at the same time, I would say if we do feel threatened, we do feel threatened about the war. So like that was another thing. Like things like that's when things shift. It's not because of nature that a monsoon can come, but there in Poland specifically, there is the force of history again that may come and like kind of take stuff away for that's by perception that you yeah you get displaced not because of natural disasters but more because of again human-made disasters like wars you know uh geopolitical changes then all of a sudden you're you're living in a different country or something like that so then then loss of control is not due to nature but due to other humans i would say yeah yeah that's interesting yeah that is interesting like um it's it is funny because uh you know i think growing up in a country like india yes there were a lot of wars and stuff but we were never really exposed to anything like big in terms of like a, a historical war you know any any uh revolutions or anything like that at least in my time growing up so so that part of history is very fascinating to me and and you know i i enjoy that about being here you know i do indulge a lot in that stuff and so yeah <laughs> anything new is you know i'm on it <laughs> funny it makes me want to dig out the kind of um the research or the data about about india and how many extroverts versus introverts live there you know <laughs> And how many leave? <laughs> yeah, it's and and I have to say it's been it's very peaceful, you know. Now <laughs> it's like, um, but again, you know, it's like it's also the time in your life, right? Like when you're young, it's like what age did you leave? Um, where you're from, and you know, like a lot of those things matter, kind of a thing, like. If you're young and a teenager, it's like uh, you want to find something new and, you know, different kind of a thing. I'm really curious about your art, Nina. Uh, you know, you're talking about the, the wealth of experience you've had and all these places you've visited and um, things you've collected, people you've met. Yeah. Whether you wanted it or not. I'm curious about your art. Well, I think it's just part of me at this point because I've like done so much of it and like, you know, um, it's just I just think that my whole life is kind of creative like how I deal with everything is like you know like I want everything to look nice like I'm not I'm not willing to put up with a boring primitive pilgrimy type of life like I want like beauty and everything that I see and do you know so and I'm not ashamed like I don't feel like I'm greedy or I'm you know like too vain or anything like that I think beauty and art is like very important in people's lives you know and uh, I don't think it's given enough it's looked at 
like some kind of luxury, but I don't think it is a luxury. I think it just exists everywhere and you just have to see it, you know? What do you mean by beauty? Um, just like good aesthetic, good design. That's what I mean when I, in terms of visual fine art, is that's what I mean when I say that, you know, like something that looks pleasing to the eye and everything. So, you know, and of course that's subjective, right? But I, I do feel that, um, you know, um, you know, in, as, as an Indian uh, creative person, um, you probably, you probably know India has a lot of surface design patterns everything's always kind of busy there's a lot of color there's um everything's decorated you know it's a very different aesthetic right so i think my mind is kind of wired like that is like i don't want something plain you know like i would like to see something interesting on it i guess interesting might be the, the way you know like just an empty white canvas is not beauty to me like it's got to be something more is what i'm trying to say so no um, art. yeah not no yeah no art. minimal minimal art you know and even if it is minimal like those two three lines need to be beautiful like they can't just be like you know they need to be colorful color i don't know about that much about indian art but one thing that does come to my mind is the color um, and I do feel that even in Europe, even in the UK, things can often be quite brown or quite plain. Uh, people tend to shy away from the color for whatever the reason. I think there are many reasons. Um, so it's, yeah, it's super cool that you have that background that it's, you know, that uh, it's very much ingrained in you. It is ingrained in me. And I think even that took a while because I know growing up and exploring i was like oh no i have to be very western and i have to have everything brown and only like tweeds and you know only paint like very monotone type of stuff because i think i was trying to fit in you know and, and i was fighting my nature and now i feel like that's whenever you're trying to be something else it never really works out like you kind of have to just pull from within you know and yeah, being in art school was was a big struggle for me because here I was with all this biz with these busy ideas and everybody else was trying to be like this classically trained, you know, person kind of thing. Yeah, I think maybe that's the difference between uh, not missing your roots because you kind of when you move, you take the roots with you. The, what you just described is you, you know, there's maybe two ways people leave their maybe probably more than two but what i'm visualizing right now is you know you have a tree and then you just cut it maybe it's you know war or something somebody just forces you to leave and you don't really want to leave you're not ready for it or whatever and you know that's when you have the sense of just being uh you know uprooted and you and you have that deep sense of nostalgia or just really pain you know associated with the fact that you're not where you belong and then there is this other more privileged way to leave your home country where you are able to pack that extra luggage of your roots with you. And it's a completely, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, not completely, but a very conscious decision when you know who you are and you have the luxury of traveling with your roots in your bag wherever you go. I think being from where I am and now being where I, where I am, it's like, it's like, 
it really has helped me be more creative and uh, also I think I'm here because of my creativity so it like goes hand in hand you know and you don't have the need to expose the art or like share the art no no I think I did when I was younger I had the need to do that like I wanted that validation in in art school that I am good and stuff but um I don't know maybe it'll come back one day but right now currently I'm in a phase where it's like I don't need to 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 have other you know other people be like oh whatever it's always like it's always been a private thing for me you know I feel like you've maybe shared a drawing or two like a doodle or something like that you know that was it felt like a very spontaneous type of thing oh it's just drawing yeah 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 I mean I was I think I was looking over my like what was I good at in school you know and I was just good at art like I was I was good at geography and biology but I was like the best in art and I think in India when you when you do these things there's always art competitions and stuff in school growing up and so I had like tons of like awards and stuff like that and certificates and like I think I was winning a lot of art you know creative drawing based things so I feel like when you've had that type of that type of success when you're like a six-year-old or a seven-year-old like you don't really need any anything more than that you know what I mean like you've already kind of like you know what your like thing is kind of and obviously that changes as you're an adult right like maybe you want fame and fortune and stuff like that but like I don't know I'm not there I think I'm too busy working Well, it's interesting that uh, you mentioned you reference a lot of visual arts, painting, drawing, photography. But when we asked every, everybody to share a piece of culture with us that's close to their heart and what you sent us was a song. Do you have it? I have just you? listened to it. Yeah, I've listened to it maybe two hours ago. Um, and it's a, a gentleman singing on Goa Beach. Yes, but do you have the title? I wanted to, to put the title in so people can Google it maybe. Yes, but. it's Lucky Ali singing Osanam. Yeah, I think so. That's just part of, you know, the whole concept of like what reminds me of India at that time and space that I felt very strongly connected to India. And and it was in the teenage years, you know, growing up and being being affected by um, something that's because um, most of the time we were just listening to like pop rock punk rock that type of music we weren't really listening to a lot of indian music unless it was forced down your throat or something you know are we ready for the rapid fire questions sure okay let's go mm -hmm. ready culture or nature nature what do you feel when you're around people from there when you are here um it's a sense of comfort table for two or a big party a big party with two people speaking at it <laughs> <laughs> two people a little bit away from the crowd <laughs> and some fire closer to you the worst moment from here i don't know death yeah was that too i would agree if anything how about the best moment from here a really good cocktail good cocktail yeah a really tasty cocktail tell us more Any particular cocktail? An old-fashioned. Like they would serve it on Goa <laughs> I hope the next time I visit Agnieszka, I'm gonna get to try that cocktail. Yes, for and sure. And see some of your art, Nina. I'll be sharpening my skills waiting for you. Nina will have to make it because I think it has whiskey, right? Oh, uh, bourbon or whiskey. 
And I've been making them with those really giant ice cubes. How giant are giant ice cubes? Are they like American-sized ice cubes? Yeah, they're definitely not Indian-sized. As giant as they come in America. <laughs> I just realized how non-political our conversation was. No, that's great. I think uh, it was, it's, at least for me, it was awesome. Not a political station. Thank you so much, Nina. Thanks for coming on and sharing everything with us. That was uh, super enlightening. Thank you guys, too. That was really fun. We probably found the tip of the iceberg, but the tip was very, very interesting. And it sounds like you're really enjoying yourself, Nina, and what you do. And that's really cool to see. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in this conversation. We'd love to hear how you connect with the stories of our guests and about your here and there experience. You can get in touch with us via email. It's hello at hereandtherepodcast.com. You can also share, comment, and follow us on your favorite social media platform. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and Here and There Podcast. Find all of our episodes and links to our social media and streaming platforms on our website, hereandtherepodcast.com. Thanks, Yano, for putting us online. Clarence Boddicker for the Here and There tune, and Kieran for the beautiful graphic. Till next time, friends. Bye-bye.